Welcome to 24-Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. Aim, welcome back. Al, thanks. I'm feeling kind of lazy in my topics here because Dan and I always joke that somehow all of our episodes would weirdly be connected to each other. I could see that. And apparently, I'm taking it very literally lately, because in my last episode, we talked about the Pinkerton Detective Agency and how they tracked down outlaws as part of what they did, and they could never capture Jesse James. Yeah. So tonight, I am doing Outlaws. I like it. I feel like it's um, like a really good book. Like we're just going through the chapters, you know? Yeah. So apparently, I've started a series, although... Tonight might be the last one, so a trilogy, maybe. There you go. I think it's really about branding at this point. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if I can find anything in this episode to take to the next one. But if not, it'll be fun to mix it up and do something new. But I have a big surprise. A big surprise? Yes. What is it? I have a special guest who is going to read, because you know I like to start with a definition. So I have a special guest who's going to read us our definition tonight. I was waiting for it to be an outlaw, but I'm guessing it's probably not. Hi. Hi, Dan. I was told just to come on and read it, but I thought I wanted to say hi first. You can you can say hi first. That makes more sense. Yeah. How have you been? Good. Good. I'm excited to actually see you in person. I know. I feel like you should ask me how I've been. How have you been? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sure you are. You have a little baby at home. Yeah. Yeah. Five months now. Wow. Yeah. Well... Good luck to you. Thanks. It just gets more and more fun. Godspeed. What are we talking about tonight? So tonight we're talking about outlaws, which is why I asked you to come here, because I thought, you know I always like to start with a definition. Mm -hmm. You love definitions. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what better person to read the definition than you? Okay. Well, I'm happy to provide the definition of outlaw. Are we ready? I'm ready. An outlaw. It's a noun. Okay. (laughs) It's a person who has broken the law especially one who remains at large or is a fugitive. Perfect. That describes every person we're going to talk about tonight. Wow. I can't wait to listen. It's going to be a good one. Hi, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this clip is a surprise to Amy, too. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so nobody knows but me that I've asked you to do this. Well, everyone will know because they're here. Yeah, because they're in the future. Yeah. How is the future? Same, I guess. I don't know. Glad to see we haven't lost it. (laughs) The spark is still there. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. Oh, my goodness. What a very great visitor. Definitely not an outlaw, but he he did the introduction justice. We appreciate you stopping by. So now everyone knows I got to see Dan. Be jealous. In real life. In the flash. In real life. So, very exciting, and he was very nice to agree to jump in real quick on the episode. Oh, I love that. That makes my heart so happy. All right, so let's keep it moving. Let's get into it, because I have a lot to get through. We're going to try and get through three outlaw gangs tonight. Gangs. All right, I'm ready. Let's dive in. All of which we mentioned in Pinkerton. Pinkerton. Because of the trilogy. It's part of the trilogy. Secret Society Part 2. Pinkerton. 
outlaws. Okay. We'll be we'll be finding the thread to potentially pull into the quadrilly. Yeah, what do you call it when there's I four? That's Is it just like a series then? That's when it becomes a series? That's when it's a mini series. <laughs> that's probably okay. what it is. 75th hour. We'll figure out what all the words are. Okay. So I want to start with a blanket thank you to all of my awesome resources for this episode. Thank you, pbs.com, history.com, Britannica.com, and of course, our number one, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Although, do you remember when Britannica was like on a CD and we owned it? Yes. Did we talk about that before? No, but it's probably in a box in my basement because, you know, hoarder life over here. I love that. I I really hope it is because I think that along with the Mother Goose tapes, that's perfection. I know. Oh, I did forget to get Mother Goose out. I know where she is, though. Maybe I'll get her out and post her just super late. I honestly think a surprise goose is a better goose, so... So maybe we'll surprise Goose someday. Okay, let's get started. We are going to start with the one and only Jesse James. Now, is he a gang or just a fellow? So he's a guy who's part of a gang. He's the leader of the gang. Ah. We'll talk about his gang, but he's kind of the main, not kind of, he's the main focus. Got it. So it's like Jesse James and the, the outbeat outlaws or something like that. Yes, the James Younger gang. I was thinking of like Jesse and the Rippers from Full House. Also like a good that. gang. Yeah. Also good. Different. Way different. I guess it's more of a boy band or just boy a band. band. Well, he's the main guy and then they were just the Rippers. Yeah. Is it the Rippers? Yeah. Anyways, not important. When I say Jesse James, what do you think of? Like pop culturally, what comes to your mind? Well, clearly Jesse and the Rippers. But out, other than that, I think of the guy who cheated on Sandra Bullock. Oh, okay, okay. Is his name Jesse James? I don't think I think it's something close to that. I could not stop hearing the Cher song in my head (gasps) while researching this whole episode This for days. I mean, I'm sorry, for 24 hours, all I could hear was the Cher song. Correction, correction. They're going to know that the wizard behind the Oz is just a small guy with a microphone. (laughs) It's a small woman with a microphone, so So it is. Okay, let's get into it. Jesse Woodson James was born September 5th, 1847 in the Little Dixie area of Western Missouri to Zerelda and Robert James. Those are very fancy names. I know. Jesse and his older brother, Alexander Franklin James, or Frank, and his younger sister, Susan, were raised on a hemp farm. Their parents owned slaves, and they were sympathizers with the Southern cause, the Confederates. Yes. And also his father, just random fact, was a Baptist minister. Mm. And just a side note, because I didn't know what Little Dixie was, and I've heard that name before. Basically, there's a 13 to 17 different websites had different numbers, but county region along the Missouri River. So if you're one of the counties along the Missouri River, you're considered in the Little Dixie area. Interesting. Yeah. So before forming or becoming the James Younger Gang, Jesse and his brother Frank joined pro-Confederate guerrillas during the American Civil War. Mm. So they weren't soldiers. They did more of like the guerrilla warfare type ambush stuff. They were aggressive. Very aggressive. 
And it's actually during Frank and Jesse were in two different guerrilla groups. And it was during this time that Frank would meet the younger brothers who would then all come together to form the James Younger Gang. Oh. After the war ended, they were obviously very unhappy with the outcome. So forming this gang was kind of their way to continue to take action. Be buttheads. Yeah. So they robbed banks, stagecoaches, trains all across the Midwest. Jesse and Frank were most active from 1866 to 1876, and they gained national attention and popularity. Who knew there was a Frank? I know. I've never heard of Frank. It's all Jesse all the time. If I was Frank, I'd be real pissed. So there's a reason we've only heard mainly about Jesse. Yeah. He was glorified as a Robin Hood-type criminal who was stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Oi. However, there's no proof that he actually did any of this and shared any of what they stole outside of the gang. And in fact, it's more likely that he was just a thief and a murderer. Sure. Honestly, branding. We discussed this. And Jesse was good at branding because he created this Robin Hood image for himself. Yeah, manipulative. Interesting. So there was an ex-Confederate soldier who was a newspaper editor named John Newman Edwards. And Jesse would write him letters about him helping poor Missourians. Okay. <laughs> I, hopefully I'm saying that right. I'm sorry, Missouri, if I'm saying it wrong. And Edwards would publish Anything Jesse sent him, it sounded like. So Jesse gave himself this, you know, Robin Hood image of stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. <laughs> How embarrassing for Edwards. Right? That's like when people are quoted in like Us Weekly or US Weekly, as I've learned it's actually been called, being like a source close to the celebrity. Sir, you're just feeding that stuff yourself. Right. So I just thought that was really funny that Jesse created his whole image himself. His, and let Frank out. Frank should have been a smarter branding person. Their first robbery was in Gatlin, Missouri on December 7th in 1869. They rode in during daylight. They shot an unarmed cashier and they made oh. off with some paper that ended up being worthless. So they got nothing. They stole paper? Maybe they thought it was like banknotes or something. I don't oh. know how the system worked back then. <laughs> sure. But they ended up being worthless, unfortunately for them, but funny for us. They were mentioned in newspapers, and Jesse loved the attention so much that that's when he started to curate his image. Mm. He would actually, to help further his image, tailor his robberies to attract as much attention as possible and sometimes would leave behind a press release. Honestly, here's the thing. I don't like this guy. Like, I can feel it in my bones already. But that strategy, if I've ever seen it, like, how many people are going to see me? What time of day are all the town folk going to be out in a boot? And then also, let me just leave here the structure for the article. <laughs> right? It's so funny. It's so funny. I don't like me. him, but you can't blame him. I mean, that's a solid strategy. Yeah. I mean, it's not funny to me what he and his gang did. It's funny to me that he was so attention-seeking and it was part of his motivation for being a bad guy, for being yes. an outlaw. And here's Frank doing what? Watering the horses? I mean, Frank's robbing people. Frank just doesn't care if people know about it. Well, 
Frank clearly did not get the publicity. Nobody's yeah. talking about Frank James. <laughs> I can't even hear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Frank's not an attention whore. He's like, whatevs. I'm in it for, you know, the, the cause and the money. That's what I'm in it for. Sure. Frank's a purist, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joking aside, because it's not funny what they did, but throughout the 1870s, Jesse and his gang robbed stagecoaches, trains, and banks. They were often sheltered by Confederate sympathizers. However, in 1876, they overreached and attempted to rob a bank in Northfield, Minnesota. The townsfolk ended up killing two of the gang members and hunting down the others. Only Jesse and Frank got away. Wow. A, good for the townsfolk for standing your ground. Bummer that anybody has to lose their lives. But how in the world did Jesse and Frank get away? There wasn't any other detail. They were just the only two that got away. Because of this, they ended up living in Tennessee under assumed names. Frank, the article said, began to enjoy the quiet life, but Jesse was restless. He tried various money-making schemes. He tried to get into racehorses for a while, but he missed being in the spotlight. So he returned to crime and formed a new gang in 1879. Unfortunately for him, though, one of the members, Robert Ford, conspired with Missouri's governor and for a $10,000 reward, shot Jesse in the back of the head in his home on April 3rd, 1882. (gasps) What a plot twist. Also... We never know about this. And quite frankly, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know that I ever... I knew that Jesse James was real, but I guess I thought it was more like folklore that built up his reputation. So interesting that he actually was such a terrible human. But also, nobody ever talks about his demise. Yeah, like one of his own gang members. And the article um, that I read about this said that, you know, the original gang really came together because of the war and they were all on the same side politically of the war and the bank robbing and stuff just was a way that they were taking out the loss of the war. So they had a much tighter bond with each other Uh, and it wasn't all just about, you know, robbing the trains or the stagecoaches. Where when Jesse put this new gang together after getting back into it, this is just a bunch of guys who agreed to do this because they want the money. So there's not that bond and brotherhood to it. And that was ultimately what his downfall was. Plot twist. Yeah. So before we move on to our next couple of outlaw gangs, some final quick facts about Jesse. He married his first cousin, who was named after his mother, but they just called her Z. They had one son, Jesse, and a daughter, Mary, which is crazy to me that he was married and had kids. How did he sustain that? After the bank robbing, he went home and had dinner? I guess. All right, that well. I mean, besides the couple years in Tennessee when he was laying low, I don't. I doubt they had a normal home life, so. Interesting. The original James Younger gang included Jesse and Frank, along with varying times some of these members were in and out. The Younger brothers, Cole, Jim, John, and Bob. John Jarrett who was married to one of the younger brother's sister, Arthur McCoy, George Shepard, Oliver Shepard, William McDaniel, Tom McDaniel, Clell Miller, Charlie Pitts, and Bill Chadwell. So that's the OG gang. Interesting. A lot of brotherly groups in there. Yes. Which again, probably comes from 
doing this guerrilla fighting in the war is how a lot of them met, it sounds like. The suspected states where they carried out their crimes were Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, and West Virginia. So where did Jesse's wife live? Like centrally to those states? I mean, he's originally from Missouri, so maybe she lived there or stayed with her parents or his parents on one of their farms. I don't know. I didn't specifically look into what her life was like. Yeah, I'm just saying. That's covering a lot of ground. Yeah. This is a crazy one for you. A few months after his brother's death, Frank, so after Jesse's death, Mm -hmm. Frank gave himself up. He was tried for murder in Missouri, found not guilty, tried for robbery in Alabama, found not guilty, tried for armed robbery in Missouri, and released. Wow. So he turns himself in and he doesn't get convicted for any of it. As a free man, he retired to a quiet life on the family's farm, and he died in 1915 running the farm he grew up on. I'm not saying that Frank deserves any kind of, like, you know, out on this. But goodness gracious, that's quite a run in your legal span. I'm glad you got to have a moment on your farm. I still think you're a terrible human, but I'm glad that's where it ended. Yeah, just the circle on that one just was really interesting to me. Like, how, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't know how you don't get convicted for any of it. I don't know how you turn yourself in and say, I did this. And then they're like, actually, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, you know, apparently... Not getting all the spotlight like his brother Jesse really helped him out. So (gasps) good call, Frank. Full circle. You're right. All right, Ames. So there's the James Younger gang. Let's move on to the Reno gang. Ooh. So the Reno gang, also known as the Reno Brothers gang or the Jackson Thieves, operated in the Midwest during and after the American Civil War. Interesting. So again, same kind of of timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting fact, they carried out the first three peacetime train robberies in the U.S. Peacetime, meaning post-war, mm-hmm. they carried out the first three. Yep. Jesse James is slacking. So let's start this story from the beginning, where every story should start, obviously. <laughs> so Jay Wilkinson Reno had six children with his wife, Julia. Franklin Frank... John, Simon, Sim, William, Bill, Clinton, Clint. Like these are their what they're actually called. So like Franklin goes by Frank, Simon oh. goes by Sim, William goes by Bill, Clinton goes by Clint, and Laura. <laughs> so those are Wilkinson's children. Got it. They were raised in a strict religious farming household. And four of the six children I just mentioned would become the founding members of the Reno gang. The Reno gang. So it's the Reno brothers. The Reno. Very simple. So I'm guessing Laura didn't get to join. Laura was not in it, no. Okay. And I guess, according to Wikipedia, the Reno gang was the U.S.'s first brotherhood of outlaws. Wow. I don't know if that's a great title. I mean, I understand this whole episode is about terrible people, but weird title. After the Civil War, other members would join their gangs, and it seemed like the number of people in the gang kind of fluctuated based on what I was reading. So let's go to 1866, October 6th. Several members board an Ohio and Mississippi railway 
train and steal $16,000 out of a safe. And then there's a second larger safe that they push over the side of the train where the rest of the gang is waiting. The gang is unable to open the larger safe before they have to flee the scene because people are coming to get them. The safe was insured by the Adams Express Company, which hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to track down and capture the gang. Several members of the gang would be caught during various crimes by the Pinkertons. Allie, that is what we came to do on these episodes. Yes, because remember, Pinkertons can never get Jesse James. But they got the Renos. But they're going to get a ton of the Reno gang guys. Interesting. Honestly, this Pinkerton guy was also everywhere. Yes. Yeah, remember he was national and then eventually even international. So So the gang would rob several more trains in the same area of Seymour, Indiana. So the townspeople formed a vigilante group with the aim to kill the gang. So the gang flees to Iowa, but the Pinkertons are on their trail. So this kind of game of cat and mouse where the Reno gang robs a train, some members get arrested by the Pinkertons, some would go on to do more robberies, then some more would get arrested. Seems like it went on for a while. And it just, like I mentioned, it sounds like at some points the gang was pretty big because there would be 10 to 12 members who would get on the train to rob it. Wow, that seems like a lot of people to casually board a train. Right? So it sounds like it was a pretty big gang at some point. A handful of the gang members who are captured throughout all of this train robbing, being captured, you know, game with the Pinkertons, would escape from jail. So eventually, a vigilante group called the Jackson County Vigilance Committee would end up hanging several of the members as they were being transported to jail. Wow. Yeah, so this happened several times where this vigilante group would intercept them on the way to jail and hang them. The vigilante committee, an organized vigilante group. Also, are they not going to get in trouble for hanging bad people? I did not look into if any of the vigilante group was ever arrested for this. The vigilante committee. The committee. It's not a group, Allie. They're organized. The committee was arrested for this but they kept doing it in the same spot and that place is now referred to as hangman's crossing oh yeah so this is where it gets crazy if it already isn't crazy it's been pretty crazy what was the downfall of the reno gang the gang came to an end in 1868 when bill and Sim Reno were captured in Indianapolis, and Frank Reno and another member, Charlie Anderson, were tracked down in Canada and then extradited back to the U.S. So they're all back together. Now they're all in custody. And this is where it gets crazy. On the night of December 11th, about 65 hooded men traveled by train to New Albany. The men marched four abreast from the station to Floyd County Jail, where just after midnight, they forced their way into the jail and the sheriff's home, beat the sheriff because he won't give them the keys to the jail. Eventually, his wife hands them over, and they take Frank Reno, drag him out of his cell to be lynched, followed by his brothers William and Simon, and another gang member, Charlie Anderson. So middle of the night, they're breaking into the sheriff's office, getting the keys to the jail, dragging these guys out, and hanging them. Wow. 
It's rumored that the vigilantes were part of a group known as the Scarlet Mask Society or the Jackson County Vigilance Committee. (laughs) No one was ever charged, named, or officially investigated in any of the lynchings. That's a very twisted, just there's so many twists in that story on every turn. Yes. So one interesting thing that came out of all of this was Frank Reno and Charlie Anderson were technically in federal custody when they were lynched. This is believed to be the only time in U.S. history that a federal prisoner had ever been lynched by a mob before a trial. Secretary of State Seward wrote a formal letter of apology as a result, and a new bill was later introduced in the U.S. Congress that clarified the responsibility for the safety of extradited prisoners. Interesting. So legislation came about based on the actions of the mob, the committee. Yeah. All right, Amy, I have one more outlaw group for you this evening, today, whenever we are. I don't know how you're going to top some of this craziness, but let's see if you can do it. Last group of outlaws we're going to talk about, the Wild Bunch. Oh, it's a good name. Yeah. Wait till you hear the names of this group. Okay. Are they wild? It's wild. (laughs) And I did note all their real names, so... I'll give their nickname and their real name. But first, the Wild Bunch, also called Butch Cassidy's Wild Bunch. Oh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yes, they are part of this Wild Bunch. Honestly, sounds like a TV show. Well, it was a movie. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was a movie. Yeah, I put the, I did, my brain just clicked in that I knew that. But at first I was like, I don't think I knew that, but I do know that. Yeah. This gang of outlaws operated out of Hole in Wall, which is a remote pass in the Bighorn Mountains near Casey, Wyoming. It's a real place? Yeah, Hole in Wall. I just thought it was like a rundown bar. Probably also the name of several bars. (laughs) Fun fact, the cabin that the gang operated out of is preserved there, and you can visit it. An outlaw museum. This is already slightly more fun than the last outlaws. I hope they didn't do anything too bad. Some did, some didn't. Oh, okay. The gang was originally called the Hole in the Wall Gang. (laughs) Wild Bunch is better. Yeah. So it was led by Butch Cassidy, whose real name is Robert Leroy Parker. Lots of leap. And included Elsie Lay, whose real name is William Ellsworth Lay. Okay. Sundance Kid. Real name, Harry Alonzo Longabow. Okay. The tall Texan, (laughs) whose real name is Ben Kilpatrick. Oh, I was waiting for more from Ben, but okay. Nope. News Carver, whose name was William Carver. Camilla Hanks, just Camilla Hanks. Hey, but we got a lady outlaw. Yeah. Laura Bullion, also just Laura. Two lady outlaws. Honestly, they should have gotten Laura from the Reno group because I'm sure she was bored at home. Maybe that's my fourth episode. Lady outlaws. Lady outlaws. Since I couldn't do lady secret (laughs) societies, at least not yet. Uh, Next, we have Flat Nose Curry, whose name is George Sutherland Curry. Okay. Kid Curry, whose name is Harvey Alexander Logan. And... (laughs) Bob Meeks. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't put them in this order to be funny, like, and have Bob at the end. Like, this is Wikipedia's list. Bob. Just Bob. Bob Meeks. It's still, it's not even as funny as, like, Camilla. Is it Camilla and Laura? No, Bob is funnier. Because, like, here, we named some guy Flat-Nosed Curry, but then there's Bob. Yeah. Okay. According to Wikipedia... 
The Wild Bunch is the most successful train robbing gang in history. Again, so I'm weird titles. Judging most successful being most stolen, like dollars. I don't know what the judgment for being most successful is. It didn't specify. Fair. So in my mind, I'm thinking most dollars stolen. The gang claimed to make every attempt to abstain from killing people during their robberies. Like part of their mission statement? I guess. Maybe part of their motto. I don't know. Cassidy even boasted about having never killed anyone in his entire career. However, we know this isn't true. Not for Butch Cassidy, but other members of his gang definitely killed numerous people. Aww. The gang was also closely associated with female outlaws Ann Bassett and Josie Bassett, who owned a ranch near Browns Park and would supply the gang with fresh horses and food. And both of the Bassett girls would become romantically involved with several members of the gang, it said. Okay, all right. No judgment. Sorry, no judgment. And both occasionally accompanied the gang to one of their hideouts and would take part in whatever they were doing on occasion. You mean like? The robberies and stuff. I see. Having Anne and Josie as their associates gave them a lot of freedom to move around because they could come to the ranch, hide out for a while before going on to their next robbery. To their next shenanigan. So like I mentioned, they would rob numerous trains and banks, but one especially lucrative heist landed them $32,640. That's a lot of money for back then. Do you want to guess how much that would be today? Oh, no. We did this last time and I was way off. $513,000. You're like halfway there. So just shy of a million dollars in today's money. I guessed a million last time and you said no. So to be exact, according to the online calculator I used, $975,013.57. That 57 cents. Yeah, exactly. You can't, I realize no one can see us when I say, and I just point at you. (laughs) 57 cents, finger point. (laughs) Amy and I both finger pointed because we know, don't discredit that 57 cents. That adds up. That adds up. All right. So let's talk about the downfall of the Wild Bunch to wrap up this episode. In early 1901, Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, and the Sundance Kid's girlfriend, Etta, relocated to Patagonia, Argentina to, you're going to like this, to escape the pursuit of Pinkerton detectives. (gasps) Pinkertons are everywhere. I know, they're everywhere. I really need a Pinkerton Detective t-shirt now. I'm their biggest fan. That same year, Will Carver was wounded by a lawman and died in May. Ben Kilpatrick and Laura were captured in Tennessee in December. He received a 20-year prison sentence, and she was sentenced to five years. Kid Curry killed two lawmen in Knoxville, Tennessee. He escaped capture and traveled to Montana where he went and killed the rancher who killed his brother, Johnny, years before. Wow. He was captured on his return to Tennessee, but escaped again. He is claimed to have killed himself in Colorado in 1904 during a shootout with lawmen because he didn't want one of them to kill him. So he just... He said no lawmen would take him alive. Okay. In November 1908, Cassidy and Sundance are believed to have been killed in a shootout with the Bolivian army. Wow. But circumstances of their fate continue to be disputed. So it sounds like big question mark on what 
actually happened to them. In fairness, I've never seen the movie, but even just in the descriptions you gave, I could see how this could make a movie. Well, in the movie, yeah, they die in a shootout. It's like they know their way outnumbered. I'm sorry, spoiler alert, if you've (gasps) not seen the movie. They're going into a shootout where they know they're way outnumbered and they're just like surrounded, completely surrounded on all sides. And they're just like going to keep shooting until it ends. And then the movie stops. It doesn't actually show them dying. Oh, I'm glad you told me. I'm probably not going to watch it. So Etta, Sundance's girlfriend, her last known sighting was in San Francisco in 1909. Elsie Lay was released from prison in 1906. And after a brief visit, to the Bassett Ranch in Utah. He relocated to California, where he became a respected businessman and died there in 1934. Oh. Yeah. Ben Kilpatrick was released from prison in 1911 and was killed during a train robbery in Texas in 1912. Laura Bullion was released from prison in 1905 and lived the remainder of her life as a seamstress, dying in Memphis, Tennessee, the last of the Wild Bunch. And that was in... 1961. 1961. That's a long life. Yeah. So she was the last survivor, the last survivor of the Wild Bunch. She should have wrote a book. Well, there you go, Amy. There's three famous outlaw groups for you for this week. Do with that what you will. That was a great topic. I think they're all terrible people, but it did keep me interested the entire time. So thanks for letting us talk at you. Agreed. Horrible but interesting. Horrible but interesting. This, that's like the soundbite for all of Ellie's topics. <laughs> Horrible, but interesting. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. If you have any suggestions, corrections, questions, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's our Instagram, our Facebook, and our website. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 